CPHI Festival of Pharma, the world's largest virtual gathering for the pharmaceutical industry. On each day of the event, we'll bring you a fresh podcast tackling the industry topics from drug development to 3D printing, alongside lessons for today's pharma leaders. Hello and a very warm welcome to the CPHI podcast, part of our Festival of Pharma virtual event, where we bring into focus the current issues affecting global pharmaceutical supply chains. I'm Gareth Carpenter, Pharma Editor at Informa Markets, and in today's interview, we're going to take a look at what the industry needs to do to ensure that the needs of the most important stakeholder in medicine development, the patient, are being met. Patient centricity is a buzzword that gets thrown around the pharma industry with abundant ease these days. The concept's simple, the patient being the most important stakeholder should ultimately be at the core of drug product development, delivery and design. And so it's absolutely crucial that pharma companies listen to their voice and include them during the process. The CPHI Festival of Pharma, the world's largest virtual gathering for the pharmaceutical industry. So in this podcast, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Heidi Floyd, breast cancer survivor and advocate, author and international speaker, who will be sharing with us her own experiences as an oncology patient to inform us how to better increase alignment between patients and life science companies if we really want to build and develop truly patient-centric medicines. Heidi, first of all, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. And it's great that you can join us. So Heidi, this is an obvious and a very easy question, but I'm going to ask it. Why is the patient so important when it comes to drug development? It is obvious, but there's, it's also pretty intricate, I would say. We, the patients, we're the reasons that all of these medicines are being crafted and curated. We're the end user. More importantly, however, and I think this is often forgotten, this may not be for us a short-term solution. These drugs, these medicines may very well be a part, an integral part of our everyday existence for the remainder of our lives. So what are the patient's key needs and concerns if they are asked by a drug company to be involved in the development process for a product that treats their specific condition or disease? That's a good question. I think that the three basics are, in a nutshell, time, talents, and treasures. Please know that there are myriad patients out there who would love nothing more than to see this type of work as their permanent employment. However, until that becomes a reality, They have to work around their existing situation. So how much time will it take me? Will it cost me to do this? Meaning, will I have to take days off from my job without pay? Pay for gas, parking, food, et cetera. Or might I even be compensated? And kind of more importantly, I guess maybe not more importantly, but will I be treated like a token or someone who just doesn't understand what's going on? Will I be given time to process and learn about the you know, the intricacies of this entire process? You know, I think it's just a fascinating idea, but it's certainly one that's worth exploring. From the other side, large pharmaceutical companies often viewed by the public as almost faceless organisations. If you're a large corporate pharma company, how do you speak reassurance to a potentially vulnerable and worried patient and build a community relationship with them? That's a great question too. And to me, it's not so much facelessness as there's a huge amount of distrust and fear. And to me, I think you should just go to the source. For example, If your company focused on metastatic breast cancer, for example, don't you dare get someone that looks like me, a white middle-aged woman. Don't do that. Staggering statistics say that minority women are going to be diagnosed at metastatic breast cancer at a higher rate than white women, and their mortality rates are higher. So the liaison that you have to the community should be a woman from that community. 
you know, if your constant efforts, you know, marketing, et cetera, show just an, an affluent white woman in their gated community, there's no reason for any other community to trust you. Go to the community you're servicing and bring them in, invite them in, build a real relationship. Now, Heidi, all of this that we're discussing today obviously has deep personal resonance for you because you yourself have been an oncology patient. So speaking from your own experiences as a patient, what for you are the key considerations and concerns which the pharma industry needs to consider when reaching out to patients? Sure. I'm a continuing cancer patient, so I will forever be taking medicine. So it is a, a huge interest to me. To me, the key consideration will always be trust. Not just I trust you, but I trust that you want to do this for a purpose beyond financial. We want to know that the people making these cures have been affected in some way. You know, did your mother have Alzheimer's? Is that why you're working on this? Just tell us. We want to know why. Obviously, there's a financial purpose, but is there more? We want to trust that you don't consider us to be disposable or test products, you know? We want to trust that you will make an effort to understand our needs and creatively help us. And we also want to trust that you feel we have value. In which areas do pharma biotech companies really need to improve when it comes to establishing this kind of meaningful and communicative relationship with the patients that you're striving for? To me, I think there have been like amazing efforts from the pharma industry to include patients. Really, I believe there has in the, in the past few years been breathtaking to see. I think another huge step would be to have a permanent patient advocate position embedded in the companies. For each need that you have, it, it, I mean, it, it won't be financially debilitating to have someone representing cancer, diabetes, Crohn's, etc. And then send that person out into the community to start building your relationship. You know, it, it can't just be the VP of marketing. It's got to be someone that we can look at and say, oh, my gosh, that's me. I see me in that representative who works for that company. Therefore, it's an immediate trust. You've already given one example of a pitfall that companies can fall into in this kind of communication, but are there any other pitfalls you think that they need to be aware of and avoid? Don't just assume that the patient population knows about you or even how to connect with you. So I'm speaking from the U.S., and there are many people that still neither have access to the Internet nor tools to do so. So if you're building, for example, an outreach program based purely on your website or your app, just know that, you know, if you're looking for a minority population or, or people who are underserved, they might not be able to find you simply because they don't have the tools. You know, if you just look for creative solutions, I think, and, and partnerships. And at pharma companies getting involved in this early enough, I mean, is there an ideal starting point when the relationship between a drug developer and a patient should kick off? Yeah, I would say immediately. We have groups here, again, I'm only speaking from the U.S., but I know that this happens globally. So I'm part of the Department of Defense, American Cancer Society. They have grant review boards, and there are patient advocates sitting on those boards because they realized several years ago that the patient voice is crucial. We point out discrepancies or pain points or even champion the work. So if something new comes across, we can sing its praises and say, this is fantastic, or this could be a problem for you know, someone going through radiation treatment, for example. To me, all of these pharma teams that are working to make life better, they're at war. I, I feel like they're, they're at war with these diseases, but we, the patients, can be embedded like reporters. You know what I mean? We're with you all the way. Our job is to tell people how brave you are out there doing what you're doing and sharing that with the world. I see us as embedded reporters, basically. And in our industry, Heidi, obviously, we like to celebrate the success stories. Do you have any examples of any company or an initiative where everything's been done pretty much perfectly or or well, <laughs> at the very least. 
I've actually been thinking about this quite a bit. And to be honest, I think all pharma is working so hard to do everything right. And success is so subjective. I'm hesitant to say success because I know that heartache comes from not being just perfect. For example, about a week ago, I was looking at one company, a very large pharma company. They did a great job. They brought a patient on early into the process. And then that patient, that gentleman became the face of that story. And it was wonderful. And it was beautiful. And, and to me, that successful. Now, in a few years, he passed away. So now there's this little paragraph at the top of the website that says, you know, how much they miss him. To me, I see that as a success. Even though their champion is no longer with us, that's what we as patients know when we're getting into it. We, we know we, we're not going to live to be 100, but we also want to know that we can help while we're here. We want to know that our lives have mattered. So to me, that's what success is. Not Yes, and now this person gets to live to be 110 years old. It's very different. I think there are a lot of success stories out there. Heidi, what do you think about when companies involve patients? Obviously, they've got targets, they've got aims. Obviously, they're looking at the bottom line. But are there any other sort of considerations here? I mean, what are the expected outcomes in terms of success when companies involve patients? I do not work for pharma, so I can only speak from the patient side, but I think it would be across the board financial, novel ideas, communication building, trust, et cetera. I think the outcome from the patient side and perhaps, you know, even the pharma side, it would be transparency. The, the ability for someone who has asked to take a medicine to know that someone who's very much like them was involved in the process that it took to get it into their hands. And finally, Heidi, I mean, this is obviously a very sensitive and delicate area. And there may be some companies out there that find themselves tiptoeing towards change rather than going full steam ahead. From your side, from the patient side, how is it possible to accelerate a positive change in patient relationships without compromising them? You want to build a true relationship, an honest and true relationship, and that takes time and effort. And and I'm a big champion of the embedded patient advocate role within companies, like a permanent position. Don't just go to the big patient groups. Do a little digging and find someone who cares just as passionately about the work that you're doing and bring that patient in, bring that, or caregiver even. You know, I mean, it's not just the patient who's going through it, it's their community as well. I think pharma might be surprised at the number of patients and caregivers who raise their hands like vehemently if you just ask for their input. Heidi, you've provided a lot of food for thought, I think. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. That's it for today's CPHI podcast, part of our Festival of Pharma, bringing the global pharma industry to you. Please do tune into our next podcast. Until then, thanks very much for listening, and we wish you a pleasant day ahead. The CPHI Festival of Pharma, the world's largest virtual gathering for the pharmaceutical industry.